You're listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and join me each week as we meet the people of Limerick who are making it the place it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. So uh, I'm joined now by Jared Mannix, Flynn and Maeve McMahon, uh, producer, director and everything else to do with Land Without God, a documentary examining the legacy of institutional abuse uh, by the Irish church and state over the last century or so. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thank, Thank you, you very much for having Thank us. You. So uh, Maeve or, or Jared, if you'd like to give me a brief overview of exactly what the documentary is about. You go ahead, Maeve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give us your perspective. Um, well, I have been working on it with Mannix for the last 10 years. Um, I guess all of our artwork has been around institutions and, um, you know, the laundries, Magdalene Women, um, Mother and Baby Homes, the um, industrial schools. And we started, you know, looking into the archives to see what was there, what we could collect. And, um, you know, there's footage of Mannix when he's 20 years of age saying the exact same thing as he's saying now at 63. And it really made me think, well, why is it that nothing has happened and nothing has changed? And the people where he comes from, not where I came from, but uh, all of his friends and, you know, the amount of funerals he was going to. And, you know, you really become very aware that this is a class issue and um, that somehow people aren't listening and hadn't been listening to what was going on or... We didn't, it wasn't affecting us, you know, like the films that were coming out didn't seem to have the political punch to make it, to make middle class people understand actually what happened here, you know, and how, um, how grave it was and the actual size of it, you know. So, uh, yeah, we've been a long time collecting the information and trying to distill it and interviewing different people to try and... Uh, articulate, you know, exactly what happened. And, uh, Alex, this is something that's obviously very personal to yourself and your family, so in well, why, ten years ago, did you decide now is the time to make this documentary? No, I've been making this work over the past 40, 50 odd years, you know, I mean, like, you know, you know, you know, this is something that was well known, it was well known in documents that were in the state, it was well known in archive material, the church knew about these abuses, everybody knew about the institutions. Thing was, it didn't form part of the history. And even with the documentaries that Maeve spoke about that we saw, you know what I mean, like, you know, States of Fear, like Mia Culpa, like Spotlight, like even Philomena, the film, they weren't really about how our history was being read out. They were almost kind of entertainments or kind of news items or scandals. You know, and with the state inquiries, the Rhine Report, the Murphy Report, the Ferns Report, and even actually the cervical cancer reports, you know what I mean, again, they were all, everything was consigned to a no-fault claim. There was no f- body found guilty here, you know, so it didn't really, really matter. And we'd have this kind of fake apology. The same with the Ryan and Murphy reports, you know, I mean, it didn't really kind of make a hill of beans. You know, the church were indemnified, the state were indemnified, and the two, you know, perpetrators of these acts of criminality, like, you know, basically uh, investigated themselves. 
the Gardaí corner were particularly closed down. And when you look at all of this, this happened to the poor men and women. It happened to poor children. But it mainly happened to women and children. Women in the middle classes who were also sexually abused and raped and had children out of wedlock, and their kids were taken off them. But that story is not particularly told because there's a bit of a consequence for the middle classes. But certainly in the working classes and certainly coming out of the institutions and what happened, I've been telling the story way back, you know, since the first piece of work that I wrote uh, in nineteen kind of eighty-three. You know, I've been talking about this, you know, since I was a child fighting it, um, and I've written about it. I've, you know, spoken about it on radio and television, but it was always dismissed. It was always ah, you know, and he, I mean, they maybe talked about those interviews that I did in the Late Late Show with Pat Kenny with Gabe Wormwood. It was all ah, you know, that's what you'd say, but you know, you didn't turn out too bad, and eventually. What cascaded into, you know, the, 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 what we now know as the residential institution abuse, but that was one aspect. Then the other aspect was, of course, the fact that the church we now know hid it. The church knew, and that was devastating for a lot of Catholics, a lot of people who have very strong beliefs. So the institutionalized church in Ireland is on the floor. Faith, I don't think, is on the floor because I would have a lot of strong faith, and you know, I would, you know, I'd like, like the rituals of faith. But the actual institutionalized church and the institutions are pretty pretty damaged in terms of you know uh, uh, land without god La- land without god was where you know my family you know and when i tell my family story and my, my family tell their own story and within that is my own story is particularly weaved into that it was extremely important that for the first time in the history of this day in the history of this history that a family told the story of what happened most of my family never spoke about it most of us didn't know what, what each other went through Certainly the new generation who are now 16 and 17 and 18 had no idea what happened. No one spoke about it in those kind of terms. And we were consigned to be poor and, you know, that was the way it is. So it was a very difficult journey, you know, to actually put together, you know what I mean, Land Without God, you know, with Maeve McMahon, who was a co-director, a director actually, a co-director, and uh, Lotta Patanella, who also is a, a director of the work. And we worked for 10 years tirelessly to a huge amount of very difficult questions. You know, each each session with a family member was three to four hours, uh, asking them very intimate details of, of what happened. Nobody wanted to go there. No, nobody wanted to express that. Nobody wanted to go back to being judged or the shame of it or the fear of it. But over time, you know, it came out and it emerged. And basically what emerged was a truth, an unmitigated, powerful truth a truth that we're all listening out for all of our days. All of our days. We don't really get much of it. You don't get it off politicians. You don't nearly get it that much off the truth. You invest a lot that it is the truth, that it's the true world, but you don't really get it. Here you get a huge outpouring of the truth, which is generous, dignified, and full of integrity. That Everybody who's seen this particular film, uh, this particular documentary, comes out, you know, the wiser, the better. Yes, uncomfortable, because it's an uncomfortable truth, but it is a truth. And it's an unusual piece, because no one's blaming anybody. No one's pointing out the church or the guards or the state or this, that, and that. This is just a tale being told, whereby the people who are telling this tale own this story and are sharing this story. Uh, and it's important the length and breadth of the country. It's important to, uh, that the society here actually begin to understand what happened here. And the fact that the perpetrators of these crimes got away and that the state, the people of the state, the citizens paid vast amounts of money for it. These situation is being played out across, across the globe. 
you know, and you, you know, we 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 we, uh, we touch upon those particular issues as well within the, within 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 the work. But this has a resonance across the globe. This will be seen in universities and in, in cinemas. It'll be discussed. It'll be talked about. It will sit itself into all of the classical works uh, that are there around these particular histories. Uh, and again, you know, for us in Ireland, you know, uh, you know, um, if we think we're going anywhere, we certainly have to actually look at what happened in our history. This history, by the way, is not the past. It's not 1916. It's not 1922. This is now. This is what happened now. The trauma and the fallout of that is now. And I, I would hope that Lambert of God, as a as a film, you know, and we would always hope this is a is something of a of a of a template and a breakthrough that even in terms of the Northern Ireland conflict and all of that truth that is to come and all of that horror that is to come and all of those and all of those crimes that were perpetrated, that this is the kind of a template for this. But this is a very strong piece. We're very proud of it. You know, we worked really hard, you know, we had to work through, you know, very dark stories, you know, when members of my family really, like, had difficulty, you know. And, and then when we heard their story for the first time, it was very difficult for us. And then when my family heard their entire story for the first time, which was only last year when they saw the entire documentary, did my family realise the extent of what we'd gone through. Three generations of my family discuss in this documentary, they shared our histories. That amounts to nearly 120-odd years of incarceration. The impact of that alone, and that's just one family out of thousands of families that were in those institutions. And if one member of a family was in the institution, well, that's equivalent to one member of a family being severely damaged and that impact on that family. And even last night when we were in Limerick, when we were in Galway, it was quite an extraordinary evening, you know, because... There were quite a lot of people in the audience whose history or family history was associated with the institutions, or whose own personal history was associated with the institution. But they didn't say anything. There wasn't. They didn't say, and they're still coming to actually the place where they say, "This happened to me," or "This happened to my family." It was very extraordinary. I mean, there was people there from Tume. Uh, who were in the tomb mother and baby so on there were people there from the institutions of letterfrack etc and there were you know the civilians and we're in among the civilians that were there you know who didn't associate themselves with the groups from tomb etc were people who came up to me and and that i subsequently learned you know whose families were in the institutions and you know that's 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 what's that's what's out there you know but the positive thing is that, is that land without god the film you know is an, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is is created out of care, intimacy and love. You know, I mean, that's that's really what it's about. You know, because that's the ingredient that will actually, you know, I don't like the word rehabilitate you, or I don't like the, the word even heal you, but it will give you that particular strength and it will mirror back to you what the journey is. We had to do this work. There's no question about it that we had to do this work, and I'd been, you know, trying to do it for quite some time. I think we've done an exception exceptional piece of work and you know and you know it, it it's changed our lives you know what i mean and do you think um you mentioned people sitting there watching this who stayed quiet it affected them but do you think it's important that there wasn't these talking heads who have degrees of separation from the problem it was actually people who've experienced it speaking in the documentary 
I, I, I think it's not just that. I think, you know, over the 10-year period, you know, it's not just about speaking about it. I mean, we can all speak about stuff, but it's about the articulation. You know, it's about the articulation. It's about the talent of truth. Truth is not something that simply pops out of your mouth. Truth, coming from any individual, is fought for. And if you have a trauma in your life, and if you have a history in your life that's hidden and that's secret, and then you're trying to get that out, it takes a long time for that truth to actually come to up and out. And I think that that was really, really important. So they weren't talking heads because they, they began to articulate from a very different perspective. First of all, they started talking from their heads, and then we eventually got them back into their feelings, and then it really started to come about. And it's out of that particular process that we connect as a, as a, as a people. And, you know, while you're in the cinema watching this, you still remain a member of the public. We never try and turn you into an audience. We, we never try to do that. And it's quite interesting that when the, once the film ends, people stay in their seats. It's also very interesting that all the popcorn and Coca-Cola that they bring in actually remains in the cinema. It's really interesting to look at the boxes of stuff that's there. I watched it last night. People brought in massive yolks of popcorn and big, you know, you know, gallons of Coca-Cola. It all lay there because they are totally taken in. Because we have this yearning for the truth. We, we really do have this yearning for the truth. We, we want to know. And that's the kind of message. We're interested in each other's human story. This is a human story. It is part of our tragedy in Ireland. It is part of our kind of, you know, you know, um, you know, Holocaust, you know, and part of a, a kind of social genocide, you know, where, you know, every single town and village and even in this city itself, you know, Limerick, you know, you had, you know what I mean, the Magdalene Laundry system and compound smack bang in the middle of the city centre, mm -hmm. you know, where you had a Magdalene Laundry, an orphanage, supposedly a, an industrial school and horror. And now, today, it's like, you know, it's, it's Limerick College of Art and Design. And the people who are in the College of Art and Design have a right and a duty to expose the history of that place. It can't remain hidden. You can't say to the students, no, cover it up, don't mention about it. This is part of the history of Limerick. The same way as Artane Industrial School is part of the history of Dublin and Letterfrack, Connemara, etc. You can't simply throw this out. There's too much, you know what I mean, at stake here in that sense. So... And the only thing we can offer is not another inquiry, not another kind of fake mock shock, you know what I mean, public inquiry, you know what I mean, that we have when we've seen with cervical cancer or with the Rhyme Report or any of the other reports into, say, for instance, you know, Hep C or the poison, the blood poison. We just need to be able to tell the truth. And we need to give people that opportunity to tell the truth, you know. And if we can't tell it, to the courts and if we can't tell it to the tribunals well then culture creativity artistry the science of filmmaking has a duty to go in there and and and, and make that truth transcend and articulate and put it into a proper place and we, we've been able to kind of been, we, we've been able to do that and as director Maeve how did you find the process of telling this story um <coughs> I mean, I suppose I was lucky because I had worked with Mannix before and we brought Lotta in, Lotta Petronella and, um, from Finland. And it was very, very hard, you know, it was very hard. But in a way, because the, the interviews were so intimate, we had to, there, there could only ever be three of us. So uh, I had to learn how to do sound, which isn't easy. Um, and 
Lotto was on camera because when his family members were coming in and it would take months, sometimes years before we'd convince them to come for an interview and then Lotto would fly over and then, you know, they'd cancel the day before or, you know, it was very complicated. It wasn't like an easy filmmaking yeah. process and nobody else except for the three of us, I think, could have made this piece. You know, it's just because it took such a long time and you had to be so flexible. But uh, with Lotte, it was great because she was from outside the island. And in fact, all of the screenings that we had to try out different parts of the film with people were always with people outside of Ireland who didn't have any Catholic connection or any connection to uh, whatever went on here. You know, they just had to be separate and not know anything about it. So... Um, yeah, for that in that way, it was it was great that there were three of us, and they would come in and they were talking to their uncle or their brother, so it was a really intimate kind of confession in a way, and well, we were very privileged. Really tough interview to have, though, I imagine. Unbelievable, yeah. yes, yeah, it was yeah. unbelievably tough. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, you know, what I mean, but <clears throat> but it was safe, you know, what I mean, yeah. it, it was safe and it was intimate, and people were respected and people were given time, and there was no rush, and we weren't, we although there was a rush, of course, we wanted to get the, you know, this job particularly done. There was a big commitment to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, during the course of the whole ten years, you know, I mean, certain members, you know, I mean, of my family, you know, were incarcerated. Certain members of my family, you know, went back on drugs or went back on drink or were ill or couldn't handle the action you know there was lots of different things you know and you know there was it was a it was a big 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 commitment and it was 10 years of you know you know you know of, of working our way through you know a, a pretty traumatic process where I had to work my way through the process as well this is the first time the family had actually spoken to me you know about this so I was under you know a huge amount of pressure I found it you know, very, very strenuous indeed to see my family in the kind of stress. And also, you know, the risk, you know what I mean, you know, particularly in today's age where, you know, on social media you can get ridiculed, you can get undermined, you know what I mean? And as I say, like, you know, you know, my family aren't saints, you know. We, as I say, we were in jails, we were in institutions, we would be well known, you know, so I'm well known, you know. So it's easy for the warriors out there, the keyboard warriors, to undermine us or to pull us down as this, that, and you're in a brand new hat. It's a bit like the kind of traveller story where there's deep prejudice against travellers, period. And the minute they're mentioned, all oh, foreigners, it's the way it is. We were up against the institutionalised state and the institutionalised people. So while we have somewhat managed to kind of, you know, look at our institutionalised church, the institutionalised thinking and behaviour of the Irish people, you know, again, we need to challenge these particular things. And the state, the government and this, the state itself doesn't want us to actually to actually do that. So it was a long process, you know, it was a difficult process. The result of that process is, you know, Islam without God. Now I was in, as I say, institutions since I was a child. My first institution was in 1964, Golden Bridge. <coughs> Excuse me, I um, I went to Letterfrack, I was in Dangan, I was in Artain, I was in Mountjoy Jail, I was in St. Patrick's Institution, I was in Dundrum for the criminally insane as a 15 year old boy. You know, it was just horrendous, you know what I mean, uh, the journey. And <clears throat> this was the life I only knew. This was the life I, I was only allowed to know. Now, most kids won't go through that now, thankfully. But people are still feeling the repercussions of it all. Because you just mentioned your nieces and nephews <coughs> loved and 
Yeah, well, uh, I mean, while they may not go through those particular institutions, they'll equally go through that trauma. We know this because of the reports from Tusla. We know this about the failures of the of of the state to deal with children who are who are homeless, who are who are children who are in in say, for instance, um, uh, 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 scouting Ireland. We like this is all emerging. This isn't something that's going away. So children do suffer that way. You know, the traveller children suffer. Children of of, of migrant workers, the children in direct provision are suffering. So there is this ongoing situation, and we haven't been able to humanise this. Now, without God, again, humanise this. There's resonance here for us. And as I say, yes, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> my family continue to have this trauma, but so does a wider family of those that were in the institution. Mm-hmm. So does the people who are in mother and baby homes in Tume. So does the people who from, from Limerick who are locked up in the Magdalene Nondries, etc. So do all those people who are searching for their families. And so do those people who are marginalised because of disability. And I don't want to sound like some sort of like, you know, Marxist kind of like Trotskyite. This is just the way it is here. It's like, this is what's happened. And we're trying to break out of an agency capture where we're captured by the Labour Party or we're captured by the church or we're captured by the left or we're captured by the charitable organisations into the poor unfortunates and God made these for us to care for. This is bullshit. Crap. We were like, you know what I mean, you know what I mean, born equal and, and kept poor. That's the situation. I know this because I'm I'm on a journey. I'm a politician. I I'm sitting down with fellow politicians. I'm I'm in Dublin City Council. I watch what goes on. I see what goes on in housing. I see what goes on. I'm trying to deal with the legacy of the Artane band. You know, trying to actually get the band disbanded and reconstituted. I mean, why should we, as people who are in the institution, face looking at the the boys and the girls in the band in the uniform of the institution? Mm-hmm. Why should we be told that the legacy is a glorious legacy of the Artane band? When we know it's not, we know that from the Ryan Report. I mean, would you have the Jimmy Savile band? No, you wouldn't. Would you have the OUC band with no OUC men in it? No, you wouldn't. You know what I mean? Would you have the Nazi band with civilians in it? You wouldn't. So it's not appropriate in this day and age to undermine us. Do you know what I mean? If it was Clongo's Wood College band and there was abuse issues in Clongo's Wood College band, that wouldn't be there. It wouldn't be kept. So we've got to be very careful and very vigilant. These things haven't gone away. And also, the public who are trying to figure out what happened, trying to kind of understand what happened, Lambert of God gives them a currency, uh, gives them a stakehold into that particular process and gives them something that, you know, is unique. And that uniqueness is, is that the family that I come from, the people that are there, and through Maeve McMahon and through Lotta Patronella and through the process of making an artwork, making a film, making a documentary that's a future-length creative documentary, we managed to get something out of a great darkness, out of a perpetual darkness, we managed to get something that we know the general public who've come into this go, yes, we really need this. And we're not blowing our horns. We're not going to kind of like, you know, get any Oscars. We're not looking for that situation. We're just trying to tell something that happened to us, something that happened in our history in this country and put it in its proper place. This is a political film. You know, it's a political film. It's not some sort of screaming match on the Late Late Show or some glorious radio moment, you know what I mean, on the Pat Kenny or on News Talk or some glorious TV moment on prime time. These are the facts. And hitherto, what had been missing from this story was our voices. They were robbed off us, we were stolen off us, we were closed down. I read all my reports. 
I read all my files. There was, I don't know, many boxes of the stuff there was. Went back over 20 odd years. You'd imagine it from a child. And when I went through that file, I thought for some strange reason that in that file, I was going to find language that seemed to care for me. I really did. I thought that, yeah. okay, there's going to be someone in here that actually, as a child, they're going to say, oh, this child, you know. But no, there wasn't one single iota of care in the file. Each person that contributed to the file simply contributed to the last report. And at 15 years of age, they certified me insane to bring me into Dundrum to see was I insane and then certified me insane, not insane, and left that on the file. And I met that doctor subsequently. He's actually at my film, you know, our film. Uh, and, you know, a very nice man. And he said, that's the way it was done then. And, I, I, you know, I really, what can I say? You know, and I'm not out to get him. I'm not out to get the nuns. I'm not out to get the Christian brothers. They, they can deal with that themselves. That's their business. I'm not, I'm not, I'm too busy trying to get about my business, you know, and trying to deal with my own life. And everyone of us are trying to deal with it. You know, we're here to ask the public to come to Lamb Without God. And when they're going by, you know what I mean, the Magdalene Andre system building that's down there, you know, in the middle of Limerick, that they would remember what's going on around them in this particular city. So do you and hope it'll give them a different lens to look at the current situation as well? I think it's going to give them a very, very different lens because, as I say, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you know never before has a, my class, uh, you know, and people of my calibre and certainly my family been given such a platform to be able to account for themselves and to be able to share something. It is unique in every single way. I'm amazed that we actually managed to get what we got. I mean, my job was to go out and at least attempt to get it. What we got was, it was fantastic. But the way it was put together with the soundtrack, with the, with the composition, with this music score, with Maeve's sound recording, with lots of Patrella's editing, the whole thing works together. It's not, you know, as I say, a sensational, we're all going after, a, a, a sexy, groovy, sect-up story about controversy in the church and exposing nuns, priests and brothers. No, we're talking about people who actually experienced this. People who experienced profound impacts and profound criminal acts against them as children. And as, that, as a result of that, how that fractured a whole family and how that whole family is a microcosm of all the families in Ireland. We know that, you know what I mean? We know that from, say, for instance, the Kerry Babies, the infanticide story and the whole story of that, that there isn't an ounce of the land in here where there isn't blood mm -hmm. of some child that had died, you know, out of wedlock or where there was an infanticide. We know this from the records. We know this from the landscape around here, that when this state took control of this country and the Brits had left, that the Catholic, institutionalized Catholic Church took a hold and shamed the nation and kept us down like that, particularly women and children. I would ask people, don't throw out your faith. Your faith is a very strong thing. That's a relationship between you and God. But certainly what needs to be questioned is the relationship between you and the institutionalized church. And I go in and out of these places. I go into Masses. I was at one Sunday in Dublin in, in, um, in Merchant's Quay. You know, when I was there doing my bit, you know what I mean, dealing with my conscience, and no one on that altar said anything that was any way interesting. You, they didn't even read the scriptures right. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, they're lost. And I'd ask them to go and see this particular situation, because I believe you need something outside of yourself. Even non-believing is a belief. <laughs> you know, you know, that's what it is. So, for my class, 
for my family, for my aunts, my uncles, my nieces, my nephews, and for the generation to come. And for all of those people out there who are connected into homelessness, drug taking, drug abuse, gangsterism, they can all be connected into the institutions. For a lot of the traveling communities that are out there, I remember all of the traveler people that I worked with, or sorry, that I was locked up with in Letterfrack and Dangan and Artane. I remember the McDonough's, the McCarthy's, the Joyce's, absolutely beautiful people. And if you could imagine, it was bad enough for us. It was bad enough for someone that had a deformity. It was appalling for the traveling community in there because again, there was a subculture within there. It was appalling for children who were black kids. It was appalling for those kind of people because there was a pecking order within there. And you can imagine being in the middle of Connemara, young children, boys on thousands of acres of land in the middle of nowhere, or in our time where there was thousands of boys and no hope of getting back and no one could do anything. And as soon as you open your mouth, you were ostracized, not just by the guards or by the state, but by the church, you were denounced. We have a journey to liberate ourselves in this country. That journey is about liberating ourselves from ourselves and from our own institutionalization. Lama Dao God, you know, you know, is a very, very important document. I believe it's actually far more important than the Ryan Report and the Murphy Report and the Ferns Report. Because remember, when they all came out, it was a revelation. What was to come after that revelation was, was that the fact that the church and the state knew about all of this. And the bishops and the archbishops and the cardinals all then began to kind of go, oh yes, we knew about this and, you know, I, I, I had to wrestle with my consciousness and, you know, I had to be wrestling with this, that, and you're in a brand new hat. And they all fell apart. And then the church fell apart. You know, this is a huge issue for us. And it's not something simply that can be confined to, you know, child sexual abuse, something about the Christian butters, something about the Magdalene nonnies, or about tomb babies. This represents a massive gulag, an architecture of containment that involved tens of thousands of people, that involved the whole process. And it's on par with any of the kind of regimes uh, that were out there. You know, and for us down south, it was difficult. For the ones up in the north of Ireland who were in the institution there, it was deeply difficult. Because as soon as they'd opened them out, the IRA and people like that would accuse them of being anti-Catholic and pro -Brit. Who do you go to? Mm -hmm. I mean, the McCalvins. You look at their story. They were all went into an orphanage. They all were abandoned. Their mother was murdered. They all had to go into institutions. They were all appallingly abused in institutions. They were trying to kind of get a bit of justice before they died. So the situation is that that door isn't closed. And hopefully, Lamb Without God, which is a difficult subject. It's an uncomfortable subject. But as Halloween approaches, people are going to go out there looking to get them to live in daylights, frightened out of them. <laughs> They're literally going to go out there to try and horrify each other, left, right, and center. Do you know what I mean? That's what it is. I think people have to be made uncomfortable as well. I think the situation is, you know what I mean, that <coughs> uncomfortability in a situation like this is something that's good. You know what I mean? Remember, like, you know, your feelings, you know what I mean, which can be comfort and uncomfortable, are part of your growth and part of your growing. This is a mature piece of work. It's not designed to traumatise you. It's not designed to kind of, you know, bamboozle you or set you off your rocker or set you out there being anti-church or anti-this or anti-that. It's simply a story told and shared with you that I think will give an audience and give a public a better understanding of exactly what particularly happened. But in the final hit of the hunt, you know, you know, this is cinema, uh, and this is where art really, really, really works. And uh, art does work. I was looking at the trailer. There's a lot of uh, landscape shots that show Mannix standing small in this vast landscape. How important was that as a director to utilise all that? Well, <clears throat> we went around quite a few of the institutions. We, we started travelling 
I mean, we started with a huge amount of information and then narrowed it down to a very small family film in the end. But we did interview over 60 people, um, journalists, politicians, um, religious correspondents, prison warders, policemen, um, everybody, psychiatrists, the central mental hospital, you know, everyone who had some kind of uh, had spoken about institutions or had some connection to them, um, went through all of those, um, Amnesty International, um, yeah, all the human rights, um, prison, reform, trust, whatever. Um, and then we started going around the institutions as well. So we were trying to gather as much information as possible and filming. And going back to Letter Frack, I mean, for all of us, I th maybe for me and Lotte, it was even more traumatic in a way because we were we had absorbed all this information and interviews and testimonies and then we went to the place and to us it was horror you know Jared had lived there in the 90s and written his book there and maybe he had already dealt with going back to that landscape in another way but for me and Lotta I know when we got to the top of the mountain it was there were people up there jogging and everything you know and I know at one stage, like, Jared turned around to us and he just said, um, can you imagine going jogging in Auschwitz? And I was thinking, nobody has any idea of what this mountain was like. You know, he was explaining how the children had built the roads up the mountain with their hands. They'd be up there in the freezing cold, lashing rain, no shoes, you know. And But there isn't one marking, there isn't one rock to say this these children built these roads, you know, milk teeth roads, he was calling them. And, you know, that really struck me because I thought, my God, they really, they've got away with all of this. And there's nothing, there's no, I mean, you're not looking for a memorial, but there's nothing to tell you that this was the land of Letter Frack Industrial School. It's now Connemara National But it's Park. stuck, you see, that's yeah. the problem. It's actually stuck in this place because the articulation hasn't really come about. Yeah. Lamb of God is that particular articulation. Mm. You know, they went in there and they turned it into Connemara National Park. They turned it into the Wood Toning College. They turned, you know, uh, Limerick into Limerick College of Art and Design. In Waterford, they turned the one into DIT. It's it's all intact. You walk in and think, what is this? And it's, of course, it's Magdalene Laundry. It's a Magdalene Industrial School in the middle of Waterford. An extraordinary building. And Dunleary is the same. But we haven't actually dealt with it. So the inquiries, the Garda Corner, the... The, you know, the beating of the breast, the, the bishops, this, that's all grand, that's all circus, that's all like, you know, pageant. The real issue is, is when a country like the Germans, you know, actually have to deal with their part in this. Yeah. And it's right there in that particular landscape. So we had to use that landscape, we had to use those familiar things. And we used poetry, we used landscape, we used soundtrack. You know, and we had to be very careful as to where we were walking. We were walking on sacred ground as far as I was concerned. I mean, I remember the place, you know, vividly. And, you know, the village of Letterfrack, there are people my age in that village, Letterfrack, and older, who know it went on. Mm. You know, it wasn't as if it was surrounded by walls. The same in Limerick, people knew it went on. People had the laundry washed in Limerick. The same in Dublin, people had the laundries washed in Dublin. You know, but it's not time for memorials. It's not time for, like, you know what I mean, those sites of consciousness. It's time for truth. And that's the business of it. It's time for that actually we began to actually not to try and smother this in compensation, although people have a right to be compensated and a right to have redress and a right to get the financial resources. But it's no substitute for the truth. 
the Garda Shiakana who investigated these matters, they were also betrayed. They were told, oh, these cases are going nowhere. You know, and there's a huge amount of, of, of unfinished business. The film, the landscape, we went to every single institution across the land. We went to Cork, we went to Belfast, we went literally to everywhere we could go where we knew there was an institution. We managed to get keys, we managed to get in, we managed to get in on the landscape. We managed to kind of pick up the soil and rub it into our hands and think what happened here. It was a huge, huge journey and pick up what we had. We had to speak to a load of people about it, you know, and we had to speak to the witnesses. And then we had to actually then create what we actually had, you know, created, you know, and it's not about me you know, getting on in my life. It's not about me recovering. It's not about me, like, you know, doing therapy and being a politician and saying, okay, like, you know, I've, I've made something in my life. You know, my life is my life. And the other people who are not politicians who went, you know, another way, that's their life also. We're not looking for, you know, for, you know, the story, oh, look, that person got out now, isn't that great? It's a great success. Because this is what's, oh, do we have a survivor here? Do we have someone that went on to be a multimillionaire? That's what we're looking for here. That's, that's escapism. The reality is, is the reality of what happened. And we managed to get that reality and put it into this particular film and say, here is something. That's a gift back to us, who not only went into these institutions as children were sent into them, and not only suffered in those particular places, and not only were in deep trauma as adults from alcoholism, addiction, criminality, you name it, absolutely awful. Not only did our children suffer, our grandchildren suffer, but when we were dragged into Ryan reports, the Murphy reports, and all of those particular reports, and all those fake serums of truth, we were totally betrayed. Totally betrayed, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, with all due respects, the state just simply closed it all down, wrapped it all up, and we were betrayed, I and mean, we never got anything back out of it. You have the same situation down in Tume at the moment, mock shock and fake horror. People said, oh, no, we don't want to go there. This is what we're going to do. Land without God is where we actually get an ingredient that gives something back to us. It makes it real. It makes it actually real for us. And that's what's important. about. And those landscapes, the poetry within it, the truth within it, the witness statements in it, the composition, the, 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 the score of the music in it, are all part of the process of making it, you know what I mean, like, you know, potent, uh, making it kind of beautiful in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very interesting way and making that great phrase that, you know, WBA says, you know, a terrible beauty is born. This is that terrible beauty. This is that terrible, terrible beauty. This is what it is. And, you know, this isn't like, you know, I mean, a rescue dog. This isn't that kind of a thing. This is something that we need to own. And as soon as we begin to own it, then this country matures. Then we mature as a nation. Then we move out of that kind of long, drawn-out tragedy of our tragic past. It's terrible what the Brits did, and it's terrible what happened here, and the terrible loss of the church. Loss and grief are, 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 are important ingredients. It's also vitally important to let go of loss and grief and move into the next place. Otherwise, we contaminate the next generation of people. And we have every right now to be able to walk out of this bondage. The state should own up. Our society should own up. The people who need to be given compensation should be given compensation. The church as an institution should stand in their own truth if they have any belief in God and admit, accept and adjust. And instead of pretending to give people gifts of buildings and money and to say, well, but not taking any real responsibility, own up. 
stand in your faith, own up to that situation, but they haven't done it. They haven't, any of the financial contributions they've said is a gift with no liability, no finding of facts, you know what I mean, and that there's no findings. And it's very, the odd Christian brother, the odd priest, the odd individual has been convicted in court, but the institutions as they stand, the Christian brothers, the Obla Fathers, the Sisters of Mercy, the, the Sisters of Charity, the various orders of priests and the various church itself, stands unconvicted and has paid away out of this situation. That's unacceptable. And it's unacceptable for a, 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 a body of men and women who profess a faith, who preach to us about faith, hope and charity, who will tell us about the, 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 the journey of Christ and then at the end of the day deny it. The vast majority of people that I know throughout my life who are in the institutions, men and women, from working class and some women from very, very well-off class and ruling class who were raped or who their children were stolen off in the 60s or whatever, feel greatly betrayed. And no end of money or compensation is actually going to be a substitute for those taking responsibility of that betrayal and that theft of their lives. And that needs to come across. And I do honestly, genuinely believe that Lamb Without God, when you see it and you come out of that cinema, you get a very, very, very strong sense of this. But you're not left, you know, frantic. You're not left, you know, screaming in horror. You're not. You're just left in a place where you can now recognise this and do something about it within your own life. And the landscapes of Letterfrack and Connemara, you know, the people that live there in those landscapes are locked into that horror. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? The tourists that go down there have no idea. They won't run around uh, on, on the National Park. The students that are down there really don't have an idea of what's happening. Yet they want to save the world, but they've no idea that the place that they're in literally destroyed thousands of children's lives. Thousands. And I do really believe that those students have an obligation, an ethical obligation, in the same way as they have an ethical obligation around fast fashion and climate change to understand what happened in those buildings and those institutions. You know, and I hope that Lamb Without God is that word, is that document, you know, and that, 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 that is able to do that. As for me, in the story, you know, I, I, I go on to do what I have to do, you know, I, I have, to, I have to be a politician, I have to help people with houses, I have to deal with all sorts of people out, out there, you know, and I have to push this particular work that's out there and, 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 and make it happen, you know, I mean, and, and make sure that it's properly, I suppose, parented and that it's actually uh, properly acknowledged and recognised because all too often, you know, things like this are dismissed. I mean, we didn't have a big opening night. We didn't have a big celebrity red carpet night. We could have had all that because I have friends of a lot of people in various arts. We kept this in a very in a very democratic, you know I mean, you know, proletariat, you know what I mean, pedestrianised way. So it's very matter-of-fact the way it's coming in. And so far we've had five-star reviews, four-star reviews. They're all very good. They're all really great. They're all really fine and they're grand and they help an awful lot, you know. But they're not what we set out to do. Yeah. We didn't set it out to kind of get rave reviews. We basically set out, and I basically set out, to change the dynamics of my family to be quite frank with you. That's what I, I set out to change the dynamics of my family. I wasn't prepared not to challenge my own family and our story and our history and what was going on and what wasn't going on. 
I wasn't prepared to let that be unchallenged to what was going on in my community and what was going on in politics. I, and I set out to do that. And I really felt it was vital. I really, really did really feel that it was vital. And it was a huge risk going back to that situation. And it took an awful long time for people and my family to say yes. Some of them said no. Some of them said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm nothing got to do with that whatsoever. I, I'm not going there. But many did. And I'm very grateful for that. Many, many did. And I think they surprised themselves. They certainly surprised me. And we had a great privilege. Really, really extraordinary journey. And that journey that we, we experienced in, in real time, in the room when we, when we did those interviews, I believe that that's completely intact for the cinematic experience. Brilliant. And Limerick will get to see the cinematic experience on Friday, November 1st. Yeah, it opens Friday. It opens Friday, you know what I mean? We're doing the questions and answers uh, with the fantastic, great uh, Joe Little uh, from RTE, who is a Limerick man, uh, you know, so I'm really looking forward to the, the date of on that. The 5th of the November, 5th Tuesday. Of November, Tuesday after the, 5th. the screening. Yeah, after the screening. So that's going to be very, very interesting in the end. The public will get a chance to ask questions around it. Uh, it goes then on to uh, Derry, up to Derry, and then, you know, it's running in Galway at the moment. And this is a work that's going to, you know, resonate. It's going to go around. It's going to visit. I would certainly hope it would visit Waterwood. I certainly hope it would go to Kenny. I certainly hope it would go to every place because it needs to go to every place, almost like a kind of like a pilgrim, almost like a kind of a relic in that sense that it would actually go around as something that you attend to see. I think that that's 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 important. It's, it, you will certainly not be the less, you will certainly be the better, it's certainly a gift and it will certainly be something that actually will be a, a, a very, very strong thing in your life as opposed to something that actually you don't want to remember. You will remember this and you will warm to this. This is a, a very good piece of work. And finally, if I was starting my journey in my life, if I was a young working class kid growing up in, a, in an area that had uh, been disempowered, I would look for land without God. I would look for that mirroring. I would look for that. I'd be de only delighted to come across something like that. I'd be, I'd be looking for that kind of representation of my class, of my history in my country. And from that then I could move, rather than the fakery that we were given as children uh, in national school and the horror that we suffered in the industrial school system. You know, this is, you know, very important and positive mirroring. Uh, it really, really is, and it's a, an essential ingredient uh, for 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 this country and for this country's emergence out of the pretty, pretty dark past uh, that we all lived under, and we all lived under this, you know, this, 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 you know, this, this dark past. Because, as I say, I would have the privilege of meeting many, many, many people, business people, you know, what I mean, people who are in uh, very empowered individuals. Uh, who, who would come to me and tell me what happened. I've also met individuals who are very empowered who don't really, can't even go there about their families being in institutions. Don't want to go there at all. I've met people who say, oh no, it didn't take a flinch out of me. I was there, I was in this place, but no, it didn't take, it didn't take a thing out of me. You know, you know, denial, you know what I mean, and trauma are, 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 are peculiar things and they can leave a shock value on your life. The point of the matter is, is that, they left a mark on me, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a mark that will be there for the rest of my life. I, I live with that, you know what I mean? You know, I'm not closing the door on my past. I'm not some person that's super healed or we're getting on with it. I have the ingredients 
to be able to live my life on a daily basis. I have a lot of love in my life. I have a lot of care in my life. Uh, and that's really, really, really important. And through that very process, through the process of being loved and through the process of being cared for and through the process of people really, really caring, that then changed the complete and absolute dynamics in my life. Lamb without God comes with a huge amount of love to the public. Alex Lind and Maeve McMahon, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. For more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie forward slash podcasts. And you can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels. <laughs>